Enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, and today I have a very special guest that I'm excited to introduce you to. Her name is Julie Dolan, and she is a voice actress that you are probably very familiar with if you're a fan of Star Tours, The Adventure Continues. What's wrong with me? I'm nervous. Just celebrities with me today. <laughs> with that said, let me introduce you to my guest, Julie Dolan. Julie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm nervous too, so it's uh, we're, we're both in the same boat. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the nerves. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, can you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. I, I Let's see. I was born and raised in San Fernando Valley and my parents, my, my dad was in the industry and I think I was about three years old and I said to my mom, hey, I want to take dancing lessons and tap and, you know, ballet. So she stuck me in every class possible and uh, I was a dancer for years and I took ballet class and, you know, of course I took acting classes and piano classes and at nine I got my first agent and started going on auditions for TV and film and commercials and things like that. So I was a child actor and I started doing after school specials and soap operas and a lot of theater and voiceovers never really entered into my life until um, I started doing, I started working at Universal Studios in costume characters. Um, You know, I was in like the American Tale show and Land Before Time and the Flintstones, but I was always in a costume. I was Dino in the Flintstones, or I was a a mouse in American Tale, or I was Chucky in the Rugrat show up at Universal. So I started, people would say, hey, can you do a little voice here and there for, you know, some project? And uh, so I would always do that, not really thinking I'm going to launch into a voice career. And then I started booking television shows in costume. I mean, I I was in uh, a TV show called Old McDonald's Sing Along Farm, and it was on Lifetime, and it was Lifetime's first children's show, and I was Alfred the Pig. So we didn't really have children's shows. (laughs) Well, they don't now. I mean, we did 60 episodes, and I was there was a pig, a chicken, and a cow. And I was the pig. And I would do some voiceovers. They had voiceover actors for us, but there was just little things I would do. And then I did a TV show called Rimba's Island, which I was a giraffe. So I, I just started doing things like that. And my sister said, you know, you keep booking all these voiceovers. Why don't you like actually put some work into it? Like get a voiceover agent. I said, no, I don't want to do that. It's just, it's a whole other career. So, um, but I did, I, I took a class. I, you know, after I've been taking acting classes forever. So I thought I would take a voiceover class, which is basically an acting class. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that except you're on the microphone. And then I recorded a demo and then I got an agent and I started booking right away. And then, of course, you go through a lull. You go through a year of nothing. And you go, okay, that's over. It's over. I'm done. <laughs> and then, oh, you get that job again. So um, so I just told you a lot about myself. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, I'll just keep talking. No, anyway, go on. What's your next question? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, you know, when you, when you start getting, you know, your training and all that stuff and you say you go through these laws, is it like a long period of time? Are you just kind of like sitting by the phone waiting for someone to call or? 
No, I have a million jobs. So, and I'm a musician. So I'm on the road all the time and I'm in five bands. So I, I keep. She's like, busy. I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I, I, when you go on the audition, you kind of you sit by, the, sit by the phone, kind of hoping you'll hear something. And then when you don't, like, I remember when I was younger, oh my God, I would be so upset if I didn't book something. And you just, you wait for that call and you, you think, oh my God, I know I got it. I know I got it. And then all of a sudden you see that commercial on TV and you think, oh, I guess I didn't get it. Somebody else got it. Or you hear the voiceover. I hear so many voiceovers on television for commercials that I auditioned for. Like, oh, that's what they wanted. Oh, you know, so yeah, I used to get upset and I used to wait by the phone, but now I just, I dash off to the next thing. It kind of sucks that they don't tell you. <laughs> well, there's so many actors. What are they going to, you know, there's like yeah, hundreds guess, yeah. of actors for one role. They're not, they don't have time to call you and go. So, yeah. Although I have had people, uh, casting directors email me and say, you know what? You were so awesome. It was so great. You were, it was just one little thing. The director wanted a blonde and you're a redhead, you know, so it's just, you know, it's nice when they do that, but it's very rare. Well, one of the reasons why we're asking you on the show today is because you're a voice actress for a very iconic role in the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. um, Leia Organa, how did you land this role? My agent emailed me one day and said, can you sound like Princess Leia? And I said, no, I don't think so. And, I, you know, I, I'd seen the movie when I was younger and when it opened in 1977, but I wasn't, you know, I saw it once and I haven't seen it since. So I, I really didn't, I mean, it, I knew it was Carrie Fisher, but I just never thought I sounded like Carrie Fisher. Mm -hmm. So uh, sh they sent me the Obi-Wan Kenobi speech and said, try to match it. And I hadn't done any voice matching yet. So I thought, well, how do I do this? So I played it and I sat down and I, I, I said it with her, you know, I would read the lines with her and I tried to match the pitch. I tried to match the emotion. I tried to match the speed, the gait, the uh, everything. And till it sounded like one person and I got as close as I thought and I sent it in and um, I didn't hear anything. Uh, so I went, oh, I guess I didn't book that. And then like three, four weeks later, my agent called and said, you have a callback. Now in voiceovers, you it's very rare to have a callback unless it's for something like something huge. Mm -hmm. And and still, we didn't know what this was for. We were like, well, what is this? They, they do not tell you anything. So I went to the callback at Disney Imagineering and there was two other girls there. And I went into the studio and they hired a vocal coach because they wanted me to do that. She, Carrie had sort of a uh, English accent, slight English accent in the movie, A New Hope, and they wanted me to match that. So they gave me a dialect coach who coached me through the speech, but the speech was altered. And all of a sudden, it sounds like you're talking to people in front of you. And I went, is this a live show? What? What is this? Still didn't know what it was. Uh -huh. And they put a hologram of Carrie, the, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi hologram, uh, up in front of me so I could watch it and just sort of, you know, get in touch with her and get in touch with the character. And uh, I did the speech. I walked outside of the studio. I looked back up at the hologram and they had manipulated the mouth uh, digitally. digitally, So it, it was saying what I said. And I looked up and I said, is that, 
is that Carrie or is that what I just did? They said, no, that's you. That's what you just said. And I went, oh my God, it sounds just like her. And they're like, yeah, it does. So I left, didn't hear anything for like four weeks. And then my agent called me and said, you booked it. I'm like, great. What did I book? She said, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh, it was for Star Tours, the, the Disney ride, which is now in Paris and it's in Tokyo and it's in you know Disney World in Florida. And I, I, um, I didn't, I, I didn't know, uh, what the hell was I going to say? Um, oh, I, 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 when I first went in, I didn't, you know, we, nobody knew what this was for. They, they just, they don't tell you anything. Um, so I, I didn't do any research because I, I thought my research was done and, I went in and recorded it and they told me that they had seen 200 girls uh, to read for this and nobody sounded like her. So they brought Carrie in and had her do it. And she just didn't sound like she did in A New Hope. (laughs) So they saw 200 more girls and that's the batch that I was in. And then a year later, I mean, maybe not a year, maybe like eight months later, the ride opened and they invited my agent and I to go. And so we get in the ride and uh, I was so nervous. And, uh, you know, and and in the ride, there's, there's a a lot of different variations. You could get Yoda, you could get Darth Vader, you could get uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You, you don't know if you're going to get Leia because they have different ones. Mm -hmm. So luckily Leia shows up and, we were sitting there watching and all of a sudden it's my voice coming out. And we were with a friend of my agents who didn't really know me that well. And as soon as my agent and I heard the voice, we looked at each other and went, that sounds like me. That doesn't sound like care. Oh my God. I was so embarrassed. I was like, Oh my God, that doesn't sound anything like princess Leia. Cause I'm hearing my own voice. And uh-huh. her friend afterwards went, Oh my God, you sounded exactly like her. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Cause I had to hear, I had to have somebody else, listen to it because hearing your own voice, it sounds like your own voice. It's hard to hear. I, I did a, a voice match for Barbara Streisand, believe it or not. I don't, I don't sound like Barbara. I don't do a Barbara impersonation, but trying to do the voice match, I did what I do when I voice match people. And if it's in my wheelhouse, if it's in my pitch, if I can get there emotionally, if I can get there you know, with, with, my, with my vocal cords, then I can sound like them. And still, like if I hear a playback of my stuff with Carrie, I'm like, as, as Leia, I'm like, yeah, it does sound like her. I heard the Barbara Streisand one. I'm like, oh my God, is that me or Barbara Streisand? You just, it's so hard to hear yourself. But once you hear it third person and you're removed from it, it's pretty cool. That's you crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's like I go back and listen to the episodes and I really hate the way I sound. I'm just like, do I really sound like that? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> So when you when you were on the ride and you, you heard yourself talking and everything, were, were there other people on there with you, or was it just you three? No, no, it was the, it was packed because it was it was the, the opening. It, they hadn't even opened it yet. It was like a preview, and as soon as my voice came on, people were like laughing and applauding, and I think they thought it was Carrie. I don't know, but it we, it was cool. And at first, I thought, oh, they're laughing at me because they, they nobody knew it was me. You know, I'm we're sitting there just with everybody else. You oh, know, so you didn't so. stand up and go, thank you, everybody. That was me. No, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but apparently Dave Filoni from Star Wars Rebels 
uh, Lucasfilm heard that. And that's when he said, we need to bring that girl in because that's when they had the idea to bring Leia on Rebels. Mm -hmm. So that uh, got me into Lucasfilm with Dave and I did some project for them um, as Leia. And then they said, okay, you are now our Leia for Rebels and a bunch of other things. I did a bunch of video games and, um, but then they asked me to do, can you do general Organa? And I'm I'm like, you mean- you mean Carrie, like with the deep voice, Carrie? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, no, uh, I don't think so. But they said, well, study it. So I studied it and I did like four projects that way. But, you know, it just, it was hard. That's just, that's not really where my voice, my pitch lands. It doesn't land that low, mm-hmm. you know. So so you have several um, games and, and, you know, TV projects and stuff under your belt for the character of Leia. Um oh when you keep coming back to that role, how do you get yourself prepared to portray her? What I did was I watched all, this is before um, uh, The Force Awakens opened. So there were six movies. I watched all six of them like five times. And then I found Wikipedia on Princess Leia, which really gives her background and what she stands for and who her parents are. And it's almost like a real person, you know. Mm-hmm. What, and so I read all that stuff because when you're studying for a character, you have to know who you're who you're playing and what her goals are in life and what she wants. And um and watching the movie also helped because I since I hadn't seen all of those movies, I only saw the first three. I had to piece everything together and I had to go, okay, who are these people? Who are the characters? I was not a Star Wars, huge Star Wars fan. So I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, So I had to learn it from scratch. And then of course I had to really listen to her voice over and over and over again and try to sound like her. But the truth is, is when I did Rebels, they just said, just do you. You already sound enough like her. You, You don't have to try to sound like, just be you. So all the projects I did, except for the ones where I played General Organa, um, I just did me. I didn't really, you know, do any affectation on my voice. It's just I did a little bit of that. We talked about doing that slight accent, mm-hmm. but they decided not to um, for Rebels. Yeah, because I think she loses it in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's like- yeah. <laughs> she, she does. <laughs> It's kind of it's it's there and it's not there sometimes in a new hope, but then by Empire, it's like she's completely lost it. Yeah, well, what she said was right before she filmed A New Hope, she was in England and she went to uh, one of the acting schools in in London, and she sort of picked up this slight accent, and then she got back to the states and started filming, and the accent kind of stuck with her. That's crazy. Then, yeah. <laughs> Well, now that you've been in the Star Wars universe, what does it feel like knowing that you're a part of this universe? A whole world opened up for me. All of these, it's like a big family. And I was so new at this. And Lucasfilm took me under their wing and just took care of me. The the publicist, Tracy Canobio, answered, you know, she was, she held my hand through everything because there was, as soon as Rebels came out, there was photo sessions and audition or uh, interviews and podcasts and appearances. And there was so much stuff that I hadn't experienced as an on-camera actor that she, they all just sort of guided me through something that I, I was so new at. And the fans were like, okay, we love you already. You're, you're, you're family. 
And it was, God, it was just really, I, I had no idea that this world existed. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. I'm glad the fans are treating you kindly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And when I do the conventions, and I had never done a convention before, I didn't know what to expect. And, uh, you know, you have to bring pictures and you have to bring pens. And and uh, I, I didn't, you know, know if anybody was going to stand in my line. Who who am I? You know, they don't, they don't know me. But they brought, like some guy brought a Darth Vader helmet and had me sign that. And they bring posters with everybody, all the other characters of Rebels on it. And I signed that. So I just, I felt like, God, I belong to this this fabulous family that just accepts me, you know, that just loves me and accepts me and recognizes me. And it's, it's really cool. That's really cool. That is really cool. You, you last voiced Leia in 2016 and the Lego star Wars Freemaker adventure. Do you know, or are you even allowed to tell us if you have any, you know, if if you're going to be coming back to that character here in the near future? Well, Freemaker is over. They they finished their season two last year and they were going to try to work Leia into that, but it just timeline didn't work out. The storyline didn't go there. And I've auditioned for a couple of Leia things, but they don't tell you what it is. Um, I, 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 one of them is um, Forces of Destiny, which my friend Shelby Young got. I, they just, and Dave Filoni said, you're still our Leia. They just went a different way. There was another producer Maybe they're friends with her. Maybe they just liked her voice for this character. Who knows? But yeah, you're, you'll always be one of our Leia's and you just never know when they're going to come up with something. And Misty Lee, who is another Leia, she does um, one of the game show, uh, game show, one of the video games. She did the first one, Battle, Battle Pod, I think it's called. And then they brought her back to do the second one. So they're keeping it consistent. You know, if they do rebels again, of course they'd have me do it because I, I'm their rebel Leia. Um, in fact, you know, it's funny. Uh, there's four Leia's, uh, Anna Graves, Kat Tabor, Shelby Young, Misty Lee, and then there's me. And we all go to lunch together. I was getting <laughs> ready to this- ask you that. Cause you had an Instagram picture not too long ago with all of y'all at lunch. Yes, we do. It's called lunch with Leia. And it's just the five of us. <laughs> we go out to lunch and chit chat about life and voiceovers and, um, you know, just boyfriends and husbands. And it's, it's just fun. We've all bonded together because of Leia. That's awesome. And I bet you it confuses people that sit around you if you all start talking like her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was yeah. going to ask you if you heard yourself at the Disney parks. You already said you have, but yes. let me ask you: When you have you been back since your first initial visit? And if no. so, do you, <laughs> so you don't you haven't been back to the parks to see if anybody recognizes you or anything like that. Well, they wouldn't recognize me f- physically, I don't think. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, they could. <laughs> I think I think you're I think your name's starting to get out there now in the Star Wars world. Well, that park is pretty big, and there's lots of people there. So you know, who knows if I maybe if I hung out in front, you know, with my photo and a picture of Leia, maybe they'd go, "Hey, are you that girl?" That- <laughs> yeah. Well, you've you, you've talked a little bit about the very beginning that you you know you started at a very early age and you were on TV shows and all that stuff. Um, how does acting in front of a camera differ from being behind a microphone? Well, I guess the internal process is the same because you're still finding a character. You're finding out, you know, emotionally where you are, what your story is, what you want, where you've been, what you're, where you're going, who you're talking to. All that stuff is the same, but on camera, 
you got to look good. You have to hit your mark. You, you know, you, there's, there's a lot of physical stuff behind the, behind the camera, behind on the microphone. It's just more technical mic work. Um, you still have to act and you still have to do all the stuff you would do on camera. You, you might, they, what they suggest is using your hands when you're, when you're behind the camera, because it, it allows you to just emote a little more and kind of bring that forward. You would never do that on camera because then you look like an Italian, like you're talking all the time with your hands. Mamma mia. (laughs) Yeah. But behind the microphone, uh, like I just did a video game the other day, which I can tell you about now. I I didn't, wasn't sure I could, but they just told me I could. Um, And the director was saying, use your hands, like, like, you know, express yourself with your hands because they wanted a lot of like, attack the clones attack the this you know whatever it was well it's not a clones because it's not it's not a star wars thing um but they were (laughs) telling me to use my hands so it it would allow me to be a little more forceful in my voice um so yeah that's the only difference i think yeah i've seen i've seen videos of the voice actors like doing doing their mic work and they're they're you know, they're throwing their bodies and moving their bodies and arms. Yeah. And it's like, they're actually acting the part out, but you know, they're not in makeup or anything like that. They're just on a microphone. Right. But you have to be careful not to knock the microphone. I've done that a few times where I was so, my hands were so active. I, I you know, smacked the microphone or if you wear, I've done this before where you wear jewelry. Like I wear jewel, I wear rings, but I had a bracelet on one time that was just jingle, 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 jingle. Like, what is that noise? Oh shit. Oh, sorry. I'm like, Oh shoot. That's my bracelet. That's funny. So, you know, there's little technical things like that. You, you don't even think about until you're behind the camera or behind the microphone making the mistake. Yeah, I can only imagine. But I do bet it's nice that you can actually go into a, a, a sound booth somewhere and you don't have to worry about going into your trailer to get prepped for makeup for an hour, sitting in a chair, getting your hair done and all that stuff. You can kind of just wake up from home, take a quick shower, get dressed and just go straight to the sound booth and not have to worry about, you know, sitting in a chair for six hours or whatever and yeah. <laughs> going through yeah. all of that. This, uh, I worked a couple days ago and they, they book you, they booked me for four hours. I was in and out in an hour and a half, but that's because the director was so good and they, I was doing a voice match and I, I just had this girl's voice down. We would do one take. Okay. Moving on one take moving on. I had, I went through 200 cues, you know, which means 200 different lines. And that usually takes a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did a couple different ones and, and we were on the phone with China. China was producing it, the, the, um, the people that produced this video game and they were listening in, you know, saying, okay, try it this way. They were directing a little bit too, but we, we flew through this stuff and I was like, wow, this is great. You, that would never happen on camera. Never. You show up to set. I was, I worked on a movie about a month ago. <laughs> it's called Tiger Within and it's with, um, Ed Asner. And uh, it, I, I show up on set. They were behind. I waited for nine hours and never got on camera. I was like, okay, well, the day is done and we didn't get to your scene. Okay. Should I come back? Or <laughs> like, well, we might have to write that scene out, but we'll still keep you, you know, in the credits in the movie. And oh, I'd rather... I want to work with Ed Asner. So I met him, but I never got to do my scene with him. But I mean, that's what happens. It just, you know, because you're on camera, you've got the sun, you got to worry about you. There's so many things that they worry about on set 
that gets that sets you back. But in the studio, you don't have to worry about any of you know the weather or anything like that. That's kind of sad that you've been there for nine hours and then they tell you at the end of the day that they're probably going to write your part out. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, but I understood. I understood why they were flying by the seat of their pants. They wanted to get this film done. It was 117 degrees outside practically. And they just, uh, it, it, it was a, a great scene. I thought it was an important scene, but they made it work somehow. You know, they'll, they'll use me again. I'm sure. I mean, the, it was, um, it was a f- fun little f- day for me to hang out with them, but, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, not only are you an actress, but you mentioned that you're in a band. How, how did you get into music? You said you played piano and stuff. Can you tell me more about this? Like, well, I'm in, yeah, bands? I'm in five bands actually. <laughs> not just one. <laughs> no, I, I, I rotate around. I started piano at nine years old and my, I was, Actually, I went to Catholic school, so I, I, I learned in a convent by a nun. <laughs> Sister Dominica, that was my piano teacher. And, um, of course, after I left grammar school, I, I, I took from a real piano teacher. I mean, not that she wasn't a real, but, but uh, uh, not a nun. And, uh, yeah, I was playing classical music. And then my brother is uh, – my older brother is – in the music industry. He, he created a magazine called Music Connection, which is a huge magazine for musicians. And he played drums in a band. So he got me into like rock and roll, the Beatles and the Stones. So I started listening to that. And then I started dating musicians. Um, I wasn't in a band, but my boyfriends were all in bands. All my boyfriends, if you weren't in a band, I'm not going to date you. So um, (laughs) then, you know, I, God, when I was like 22, no, maybe 25, the boyfriend at the time, he said, why don't we need a keyboard player in this band? I said, well, I don't even own a keyboard. I have a piano, but I I don't own a keyboard. Well, somebody, you can borrow one. So we played some cover songs and we played some, some of the guys wrote music and they just would teach me the chords and I'd play them. And after a while, I just went, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this. So about 14 or 15 years ago, my brother and I were jamming together. We would jam every week on 60s, hippie 60s songs. And I saw an audition for, they were looking for an all-girl 80s band. And he goes, you should audition. I said, I, I don't even know one 80s song. I know all 60s music. And he said, you should audition. So I went down and they said, you got to play the Go-Go's. You got to play Pat Benatar. Um, let's start with that. So I, I practiced, you know, before I went to the audition and I learned all the songs and um, I even learned extra songs and we got down there and it was great. And I thought, oh my God, this is fun. So the lead singer and I, we, we created a band and uh, we started playing out and we got pictures and we didn't have any gigs. We didn't even know any, hardly any songs. And we played a couple of shows and then the lead singer and I had a falling out. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to back out. You guys do your thing. I'm going to go start my own band. Well, the band said, can we go with you? Cause we're not getting along with her either. So so I started a band called the undercover girls. It's all girls and it's 60s, 70s, 80s, classic rock. And we started rehearsing and we booked a first gig and we didn't even, we had like 10 songs and they're like, we want you here every week. And we're like, what? Wait, wait a minute. We don't even know enough songs. So we had to scramble. We had rehearsal twice a week and we learned song after song after song after wow. song, keeping it in the 60s, 70s, 80s genre. 
And then I joined a, a tribute band, my very first tribute band. Now, the difference between tribute and cover, covers play all different kinds of bands. Um, tribute is one band, like a tribute to Bon Jovi or a tribute to Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a tribute to In Excess. I don't know if you remember In Excess from Australia from the 80s. Oh, yeah. 80s, 90s, Michael Hutchins. So I, it wasn't girls. It was guys. And I wanted to audition. And they went, yeah, well, they don't have a girl keyboard player. I said, I will work my butt off. And I, so what I do, what I'm good at is learning the parts for one, but I can create the sounds that they – like whatever was on the recording, I will get my keyboards, I will I will program them to sound exactly like that and I'll learn exactly what the song is. So they auditioned a bunch of guys, then they auditioned me and they went, okay, you're it. So I've been with that, I've been with both of those bands for about 14 years. We've been playing all over the place. That's awesome. And, and then I was in a Bon Jovi band and then I was in an <laughs> Alice Cooper tribute band and then I played with the David Bowie tribute band and now I'm with a Brian Adams tribute band. And I really didn't know any Brian Adams music when they asked me to join. And I started listening to Brian Adams and went, whoa, I didn't know he did that. I didn't know he did that. He's got a lot of songs. He, he does so many songs for films that, that and they, they, they're hits. So, um, we play out, you know, casinos and, and corporate events and Vegas and wherever. So uh, I keep busy doing all, and I just joined another band, but I can't talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> they told me not to because they're keyboard players. They said, well, he, he doesn't really know. So that's uh, funny. <laughs> so we'll see. But I'm in the process of learning uh, all brand new songs. So you're still with these five bands and you tour basically all over the country. Does any of your schedules ever collide with each other to where like you need to go with what this band, but this band needs you over here. Mm, well, I've taken on the role of booking the bands, ah, some of them. That's so smart. <laughs> um, when, when one, a client will say, Hey, we want this band for this date. Oh, sorry. We're not available. <laughs> that's cause I'm not available. But what we've created, the girls and I, we've created a calendar um, on, on Google and we go in and put our unavailable dates. So if I'm talking to a, a, an agent or a booker, they'll call me and say, Hey, we want the undercover girls for this date for a concert in the park. I can go right to that calendar and see if, if somebody's not available. Cause the other girls, some of them are in other bands and some of them are do other things. So mm-hmm. they're not always available either. Everybody's got other stuff they do. Um, so I can, I can book right off that calendar, but there has been a, like, uh, I am working, where am I working? Um, oh, next year, I'm, in March, I'm doing, I'm going to the East Coast to play with a symphony orchestra with a David Bowie tribute band. And my In Excess band, Four Nights, my In Excess band said, well, hey, we never booked this far in advance, but guess what? We just booked four gigs and they're on the same night. And I'm like, what? Uh, I'm not available. I'm, a, I'm on the East Coast. They're like, no, you have to. I'm like, no, I'm on, check the calendar. I'm on the East coast. I can't. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do. Oh, we're man. hoping, we're hoping something falls through and, and that uh, the NXS band will get other, other nights. Cause they're here in LA. There's four nights here in LA and this is on the East coast, so the Bowie band. So I'm crossing my fingers. It works out. And it sounds like the Bowie band is something that's something that you really want to try to do and experience. Well, I did that. In January, we went to Dayton, Ohio, and we played with the Dayton Symphony Orchestra. 
And here I am sitting at a piano and a keyboard because I had to have a keyboard for David Bowie songs. There's a lot of organ and there's sound effects and there's piano. There's lot. So I had a piano and I had an organ and behind me, are, it's the violin section. And then behind them, there's a harp. And then behind that, there's, you know, the, the, uh, the cello. And it was, it was a huge orchestra. And you're in this big, beautiful theater and you're playing David Bowie songs with the David Bowie band. So it's not, it's, it's the, their actual band that tours around. They're called Space Oddity. And uh, David Brighton is David Bowie. He's world famous. So it's the core band, but then we have the orchestra behind us. That's awesome. So it's, it was, I've never experienced anything like that. And when he asked me to do it again, I was like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. A million times. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, switching gears a little bit, you were in a commercial in the 2016 Olympics for Kia. Um, you, you played a guitar playing in hamster. Um, when you got that part, did you know you were going to be a hamster? No, I did not. You know, I retired my costumes in, in when I was doing um, Chucky in the Rugrats show at Universal Studios. that show closed in 2003. And I said, I'm done with costume character work. I've been doing it for 20 years or whatever. I'm done. She went home and parked the costume. (laughs) So I went home. Well, yeah, (laughs) I went home and hung up my costume and said, that's it. No more. So this job, I had to go to the uh, audition with a guitar and an amp and they wanted to, they wanted you to really be able to play. So I came up with a little, you know, they, Oh, actually they, they, they had us play the song in the commercial, uh, the dueling banjos song. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to learn that. And then they wanted me to jump around and play it. And, and they just asked me to do a couple of physical things, see, see what I could do with the guitar around strapped around me. And then I got a call back and did some more stuff. And, uh, then I got the call that I booked it. When I signed the contract, it said, Julie Dolan, Kitar, hamster. And uh, now do you know what a Kitar is? Oh yeah. It's the, it's, it's like a guitar, but it has the keys instead of the. Yeah. It's very eighties. It's very cheesy, very eighties. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. I said to my manager, am I going to be dancing around with a, a hamster or something? And she said, no, no, I think, I think you are the hamster. Wait, what? No. She said, yeah, it's the height because I'm short. Um, all the hamsters had to be like five, three or under. And uh, it, you, you, you will be in the costume. The difference is when I was doing co- costume character work for everything else, your, your head is covered because you know, you, you're on stage or you're on camera. You have a big head over your head. You can see. They'll make, they'll, you could see out of the chest or you can see out of the mouth. For this, they had helmets on us. Because they would do digitally, put that in later. So I, my face was exposed. I could see. I could breathe. It wasn't, you know. But I'm in this huge, heavy costume, and we have to dance around. Um, so yeah, I was surprised. But you know what? It's fine with me. I'm putting that costume back on. Well, I, was, I was laughing all the way to the bank on that one. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. It's like because the commercial itself, when you actually watch it, the hamsters' faces are like. They look almost realistic, like real hamsters. So I didn't know if you were actually in a hamster mask or if they did the whole digital thing. So that's kind of cool. Digital. And they actually will follow what my face does. 
So that's why it looks so real. When I laugh or when I wink, um, they, they just, there's, there's like little, I had the helmet on, had motion little dots all over me and wires and things. So it, it actually picked up and recorded all of um, my facial movements. That's awesome. That really is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's crazy how, how far technology has come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've been part of the convention scene now for a little bit. Um, what's it like getting to finally meet fans of Star Wars and fans of Leia? And how do they react when they meet you? Uh, they, oh, they're so excited to, to meet Leia. And, you know, and, and a lot of them like are, are adult, adult, men that bring their children and go, yeah, this is Princess Leia. You, you know, their little kids are just being introduced to the Star Wars uh, universe. And so they introduce them through Rebels or they introduce them through Freemaker because they're kid shows. Well, mm-hmm. Rebels, not a kid show, but it's animated. So they can introduce their kids to that. So they're very excited to meet Leia. And then they'll turn them on to A New Hope and, you know, all the movies. Um, but they... People are, people, it's so great because they want to talk. Thank God I did my research because they want to talk about these characters as if they're real and as if I know all there is to know about Star Wars. You know, I, I, I'm only human and I only know so much about Star Wars, but I, I learned a lot. And when I did my first interview, the, um, publicist Tracy uh, from Lucas listened in. She said, I'll be right here if you need me. If you don't understand a question or you don't know the answer. I did so much research. She said, you know ex- you know so much about Star Wars. You know what you're talking about. And uh, I said, well, I, I, I kind of had to because I didn't want to look like an idiot. And, and these people... Th- Star Wars means a lot to them. And if, if I dismiss it as, oh, it's just a job that, you know what, you don't do that. This is, this is a family and you, you really need to spend the time to get to know all the characters in Star Wars, because that's what people want to talk about. So we get to compare notes about things and, oh, did you notice that little thing in the movie? And did you notice that little thing in Rebels? You know, it's important to them to, to be able to, and that's what we have in common with them, you know? So it's, it's great to meet all of these people from different conventions um, that come out, you know, some people come really far and they, they, they don't have conventions in their hometown. So they travel and uh, to meet all of these celebrities and voice actors. And it's, you, you have to give them the respect of, of coming out to see you, you know? Yeah. That's awesome to hear you say that. I mean, you know, I go to a lot of cons and I've had experiences where some of the celebrities kind of, yeah, it's hi, how you doing? And then they just kind of blow you off. But it's really cool to hear that there are, you know, people that are in the film industry that actually do care about some of the fans. So, yeah, they they might just be burnt out. I don't know. Um, it's it's exhausting. I gotta oh, tell I you, know it, it is, is it is exhausting. Nine, ten, twelve hour days sitting there talking to thousands of people. I I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, and and you have to you know recreate your conversation. Every single person, you have to make it new and fresh and and happy to see that person. Yeah, I can I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, do you have any exciting projects coming up that you should let our no- audience know that, that they should keep an eye out for? Um, let's see. I did a movie earlier this year, one that I did end up in <laughs> called um, Chompy and the Girls. And when, and when I first heard that title, I was like, what the heck is that movie about? But it's it's sort of like when I read the script, I went, this is kind of a weird psychological thriller, Stephen King-ish 
uh, scary movie comedy ish, um, sort of a, uh, it's really hard to explain what it is, It, but it's kind <laughs> of a horror film, but it's, it's something that's just not, I mean, it's, it's got some monsters in it that of course aren't, you know, they're not, it's, it's not, it's not real. It's not like a murder or you know, some guy's going to murder you. It, this is like, what the, I don't know where the writer thought of this. This is I'm like, how did you come up with this character, this monster? It's just, it's absurd. So that's what it is. It's kind of an absurdist horror film. Um, and that they're in post-production right now. And so Chompy and the girls should be coming out soon. I play the wife of the lead guy and you know, it's funny at times. And then it's kind of creepy at times, so uh, we'll see. We'll see how that does. Um, I, I'm also. I did a play earlier this year called "Definition of This," and uh, my friend uh, Thea Graybick wrote it, and she was in it with me. And it people after they saw this play, they went, "You got to make this into a movie." So we had a fundraiser last week in Ohio. We did the play reading and raised money and now we're going to do Indiegogo and we're going to, we're going to make a movie. It's like, wait, this is a play. And now we're going to do the movie. Okay. I'm on board. Oh, that's so, cool. um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And I just did, um, you know, I, I'm not in the video game world. I don't play video games. When I was a kid, I played Frogger and, you know, and Pac-Man, but I, I'm not into the Nintendos and the Game Boys and all that stuff. Um, I booked, a job called Arena of Valor. It's a video game. It's been out for a year or so. And I looked it up and it's one of the, let's see, what did it say? It said it's the most downloaded mobile app game in the world. And now they just paired with Nintendo. So it's apparently going to be huge. And I do the systems voice. So I sort of guide the players through the game and I I tell them what to do or I suggest what to do. So I've had three days on that and it's, there's a lot of cues. So, you know, and it, and we'll continue to do it because every game is different. So, um, but I just did that. And my voice isn't out there on there on that yet, but it should be soon. And you said that's going to be on the Nintendo. That's what they're partnering with Nintendo switch, which I don't know what that is, but I, I read there's, some kind of something, something where you can switch to Nintendo. I don't know what it is, but th- th- it said Nintendo Switch. It's a really cool system. You should get one. <laughs> <laughs> really? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a home console that you play, and then you can actually take it off the dock, and it becomes a portable unit. Um, so you can actually play it on your TV, or you could take it with you, and it becomes portable, and you can play it on the go. It's it's I'm a huge Nintendo fan, so. Oh. Well, if you if you if you if you get Arena of Valor, let me know. I will <laughs> so, let you know. I, yeah, I'm actually writing that down to go look for that game. Yeah, um, the convention that I'm doing uh, coming up um, is a toy convention, and I have an action figure. So I bought. <laughs> I went to Walmart and I like bought out all the Rebels Princess Leia Rebels action figures. And I'm bringing them with me <laughs> so I can have them there. If somebody wants to buy one, I can sign it for them. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was actually going to pick one up and send it to you, but they don't have any more Leia's here in my area. Oh, that's because I probably got them all. <laughs> she called Walmart and was like, I need them all. Send, send them to my house. Yeah, I'll save one for you. <laughs> I will. Awesome. If I don't if I don't sell out, which I probably won't, um, I'll, I'll save one for you. Oh, you're supposed to be optimistic. You're supposed to say, I'm supposed to, I'm going to sell out. Well, then I won't have one for you. 
<laughs> so you have a con coming up. There's some other things that you're doing. You're coming out with a video game. You're coming out with other things. So if our audience wants to find out more about you, how can they find out? Uh, where can they go to learn more about Julie Dolan? Maybe what she's doing, things like that. Oh, um, well, I have a website uh, for voiceover, uh, Julie Dolan VO, like voiceover, Julie Dolan VO.com. Um, I have a Twitter page. It's just call me Leah. <laughs> I like it. Uh, and um, my Instagram is just Julie M, as in Marie, Julie M. Dolan. I'm not really an Instagram girl. I keep forgetting there's Instagram out there, but I'm a Twitter. And and, uh, and then on Facebook, I have a, my fan page, Julie Dolan VO. And, you know, I communicate. I mean, I'm like right there. I will get back to you within 24 hours. If you send me a message, I'm like, I'm always emailing with people um, yeah, you- on my my Facebook page. Yeah. You're, you're very quick about responding and that's really awesome that you do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Julie, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on. I do have one last thing to ask. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> are you willing to maybe speak a line of Leia before we close this episode out? Well, <laughs> now you have to understand for me to do Leia, I haven't done Leia in a long time, but for me to do Leia, you know, it's like I have to listen to it and I got to practice with it. And, you know, so I, I will tr- I will attempt something, but it's just, you know, it's just going to come out of come out of out of thin air. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, why don't I do my audition speech for um, Star Tours? I'll do that little, you know, the uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi speech and see see if it sounds anything like her. If you want to play some music for me, that might get me into character. Okay. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I'm unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack, and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I've placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. All right, I think the music probably helped a little bit, but (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. That's really cool. Good. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like in shock. I'm sitting here going, wow. No, you're this- not. I am. That was awesome. It really it was, was. the music. It was the music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Julie. Well, I really appreciate you, you know, coming on and being a guest on today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. That's really cool. Wow. I'm still in shock. (laughs) If you want to meet Julie, she's going to be at the Bay Area Toy Expo hosted at the Silicon Valley Central Convention Center. She'll be appearing Saturday and Sunday and ready to meet all of you. So make sure you stop by and say hi. You can head to BayAreaToyExpo.com to get your tickets now. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle Temple of Geek. Do you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows? Why don't you head over to templeofgeek.com? There you'll find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I've been Daniel. And I'm Julie Dolan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. May the force be with you.
Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit TempleofGeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.